Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen. Today, we are going to chat all about the Ayurvedic approach to the late winter season. So this is going to be an episode that um, if you would love, if you love to read, definitely check out the blog post on this. So I actually wrote this for the book that I had signed the publishing company and then um, they pulled it. And so I'm like, well, great. I have all of this seasonal content that I'm going to now use for my podcast and on the blog. So this is, I'm just going to give you kind of the more cliff note version on the podcast, but if you really want to dive deep, um, you can head over to the blog and read this post um, for more in-depth information on this episode. So let's dive in. In Ayurveda, they celebrate six seasons. Shishar Ritu is the late winter season. And those in India, those dates range from mid-January to mid-March. Now, my big asterisk is, really, it's what's going on outside of your window. That is what you're looking to. That is what season you know that you're in. So with that late winter season in in Minnesota, it personally looks like heavy, dense snow. It's the snow um, that we... Uh, have where it's really thick and you need an intense, um, you might have to shovel a couple times or use a snowblower a couple times to get that snow up and off. Other states that you might not have that snow, you know, that snowfall, it's probably going to be a little bit, it's starting to warm up, but it's still cold. Um, just not quite as cold as maybe it was at the start of January or into December. You're starting to see warmer temperatures. You might have some mud going on outside, um, depending on, again, where you're living. So it really is about where you live, not necessarily what's um, what the calendar says in Ayurveda. Because I've had clients in Hawaii, and all of the islands have different climate needs. And so I, my one, one of my clients who was in one particular island, we discovered she was in kapha season a good chunk of the, the year. The island, the mode was just really chill, really laid back, and the climate was very kapha-ish. So that is something to kind of keep in mind as you're going through this. But primarily, the predominant dosha is the kapha. It is the kapha during this time. And when we look at the gunas or the qualities that we might be observing, it's dry, it's heavy, cold, and sticky. Now, those qualities are also happening inside of our body. And so if we think about what's happening at this time, well, it's dryness. Our skin is still dry. We might feel a little bit heavier, um, especially coming off the holidays. You might have, again, you might feel colder. You still might need to dress in layers. And the stickiness, this is when we start to accumulate mucus. We start to have those coughs and colds accumulate in our body. So when we're looking at yoga asana, so In yoga, one of the ways that I personally like to lead my classes is I tune into what's happening um, in nature. And those are the yoga poses that we're going to focus on. So if you want to reduce the accumulation of kapha, some of the things that you want to emphasize in your yoga asana practice are going to be backbends, laterals, and inversions. So if you are a kapha prakriti, you might be like, oh, those sound not like my favorite poses. Totally normal. If you are a vata, you might be like, yes, I cannot wait to do all those poses. So really kind of just tuning into how you feel about them. 
But the name of the game of this time of the year is really to get the movement and circulation going. It's to move the lymph around. Um, you might, otherwise what tends to happen is we have that buildup of kapha and then we just feel like we have no motivation, no energy, and just an overall heavy feeling in our mind and in our body. So during these months, what are some practices that we might want to embrace? So it's the time to embrace silence, stillness, and sleep. It's a great time to go inwards, to recharge and reflect. It's really the dreaming phase. And if we think about the menstrual cycle, we think about the bleeding phase. It's the same similar um, qualities in terms of the going inwards, in terms of the dreaming. It's not necessarily the phase where we want to be doing a ton of things because it's going to wear us out. We're going to get burnt out. So journaling practices, meditation, and abhinyanga are wonderful ways to kind of tune in. Um, And I've written some journaling prompts down in the blog if you want to kind of dive deeper in with those. Another practice to kind of really tune into is your digestion, keeping your Agni high. And so Agni, again, is your digestive fire. So if your digestive fire starts to burn low, your digestion starts to slow down. So that's why in the winter seasons, eating the warmed, cooked, oily foods are recommended, Um, using the spices to help kind of keep things moving. Now, if you think about your digestion as a fire, just like if you think about a fire that you're building at a campsite, if you overfeed a fire, it's going to snuff itself out. And then likewise, if you don't feed the fire enough, it's going to stop burning. So you just want to kind of keep that stoke, those digestive or agni fires throughout your day with those cooked warm foods sipping on warm or room temperature water. So with the warm or room, room temperature water, I personally, this is a great time to, if you're a tea drinker, having teas, making homemade teas. Um, If you like to heat up your water slightly in a kettle and then just drink really warm water, this is the time to do it to kind of keep things flowing. So another thing that you're going to emphasize during this time are warming and movement practices to help reduce the building kapha in the atmosphere and in the body. So a few of the practices recommended are jantaka, which is a practice similar to the modern day sauna. And according to the Cleveland Clinic, benefits of an infrared sauna are improved heart health, soothe sore muscles, pain relief, relaxation, better sleep, and fighting off illnesses. So you might do a sauna practice three to four times a week, and then you can slowly build up from maybe 10 minutes up to a 30-minute session. Now, my caveats with the saunas. Some people love to have them in their homes, and some, some people have bought saunas. Cool. I don't have a house that's going to be big enough to have a sauna. Um, It's going to take up way too much space for myself. I have a place that's not too far down the street for me that I personally like to go to. Obviously not right now during pregnancy. Um, Don't go to a sauna if you're pregnant. Also, if you're in the bleeding phase of your cycle, you want to skip your sauna days because usually your pitta is building up um, and you're not going to, you're going to get just too hot. Now, pitta is also common during the ovulation time of your cycle. Um, So if you feel like you're warmer at that time, maybe skip it during the ovulation day, day or two that you're ovulating. But in general, sauna practices are something that you want to build up to, especially if you're a pitta prakriti, if that is your main dosha, because sometimes you can really overdo it because typically, and I will say this because I am a pitta and I did this, I was like, oh, the recommended time is, you know, between 10 and I think it was like 40 minutes on the sauna that I went to. So of course, what do I do? I 
go for 40 because that is what a pitta would do. We don't start with the small numbers. We go big. And then I realized, okay, the next time I wanted to not go for 40 because it was just way too hot. And I just felt like I, I really felt it in my body. So instead, you know, I went for 20 minutes and then I kind of slowly built up as the season wore on until about 30 minutes. And I realized I really didn't want to go for 40 minutes. 30 minutes was kind of my sweet spot. So I would love to invite you to do something similar. You know, if you know you're a Pitta and you know you're the Pitta who sees the time limit and you immediately go for the big number, because why would you not? <laughs> Maybe don't. Maybe shoot shoot for, you know, 10 minutes less than that. Shoot for 20 minutes less than that. You know, where where can you aim and find that happy medium? And likewise, maybe if you're a Kapha and you're like, I'm taking that 10 minute number, maybe you try 15, you know, maybe you try five minutes longer. So there are just different ways to kind of challenge yourself knowing where you lie on that spectrum. So another thing, your daily routine in that late winter season is going to be one that focuses on building time for inner reflection, bringing heat into the body, time outside in nature. And then making sure that you exercise in particular in the morning hours are ideal, but I totally understand that's not possible for everyone. Um, So whenever you get it in, but those are some of the practices that Ayurveda would recommend. So um, finally, you know, again, uh, incorporate movement. Now, when I talk about, or when I say movement, that can be one where people are like, what should I be doing? So I'm going to just put my personal training hat on. Um, so my personal training hat in the winter months in Ayurveda, this is the time where you might be a more, um, adaptable to vigorous movement. So this time and in the spring, it's actually the time where going to like a boot camp class, going to CrossFit, if that's your thing, going to those more intense exercise classes, um, or doing your own intense, like hit style workout at home are recommended. Now, that's not going to be great during the summer months, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about winter. And so that would be kind of my um, Ayurvedic side. Now, my personal trainer side, I would love for people to lift weights. (laughs) I mean, honestly, lifting weights, the the amount of benefits that we now know um, there are from lifting weights are immense. And I, again, have worked with the population that is the 65 to uh, 96 was the oldest crowd. And I will say they need, they all needed to lift weights and they, they did, and they enjoyed it and they lifted weights three times a week with me. So ideally if we can lift weights three times a week, that would be great. Um, and lifting weights to what you feel is your max capacity. Now I will say my seniors, some of them were lifting 10 pound weights. So if you're thinking, and, or if you're listening to this and you're like, shoot, I'm only doing my two or three pound weights. Uh, there are some exercises. Yeah. I have three pound weights. Um, mostly it was to demo for the seniors because I was finding when I was teaching that many classes, it was, it's really hard on the body. Um, so I lifted really light with them so I could lift heavy in my own workouts. But when I lift, I'm lifting to max capacity. Now during pregnancy, I'm kind of doing that. I'm, I'm not lifting to like, I have 30 pounds is the heaviest I have. I'm not doing that right now. You know, I'm lifting at 15 to 20 pounds. Um, I've stopped using the 25s as I got into the third trimester. So 20s to 15s are primarily where I'm at right now. So that's just to kind of give you a guide. With most of my clients, when I start, I I tell them to get at least 10 pound weights and to get 15 and 20. Because again, most females, because I worked primarily with females, 
Um, I would love to have people lifting up to the 20 pounds. And yes, we are capable of doing that. We are strong. So lifting those heavy weights, the benefits are going to be immense. And that's primarily how you're going to change the body. That's how my, that's how you're going to tone up. That's how you're going to um, probably get the results that you want instead of trying to do these intense exercise classes, um, because those can be really depleting on the body. So if that's kind of where you're at and that mindset, and I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to change the shape of your body. Um, I think there are, there's a pendulum that swings there from one extreme to the other. I really do think it's really independent. It depends. It depends on you. It depends on your goals. So I will not shame people for wanting that as a goal. Um, Cause I know obviously after I have baby, like I'm going to want to change the shape of my body. And that's, that's something that I don't think I should be shamed for wanting to do. Um, and that's something that I think uh, you can still embrace where you're at, but still want to change. I have done a podcast episode about that. And I, it's something I do definitely feel passionate about, um, you know, not shaming people for, Hey, this is something that I really do want because it makes me feel better. So lifting weights <laughs> again, that's what I would recommend. I also recommend yoga asana. So having a yoga practice, not only for the physical, but it's really for the mental benefits. And again, in this season, in the late winter, the, the sads, the sad feels can happen. We feel a little bit more down in the dumps. Um, we get that low energy. We just don't have as much sunlight. And so we feel it. So having the practice in the morning or something just to kind of keep, you know, slug off that kapha energy is really beneficial for the mental health. Um, so whether that be your yoga asana, whether you do a meditation, but just something to kind of connect mind body. And then finally going for walks, you know, even in the winter season, getting outside, going for walks, if it's safe, you know, in terms of iciness, if you live somewhere where it's icy, just being really smart about that. That's something that I've had to slightly adjust this winter season as we've had a lot of snow here in Minnesota. Um, I just have to be careful during that, you know, I'm, third trimester of pregnancy here, I don't want to fall on ice. And so, you know, obviously there's something like that. If you've been injured, you know, I had a neighbor who um, his dog pulled him down last year at the end of the winter season, and he ended up needing a walker to walk, but he had to wait until the spring season came around to really be able to get outside because the ice again was too dangerous. So you kind of got to monitor that for yourself and knowing um, if you do live in those climates, uh, you know, the best times and places and safety and all of the things. All right. So now let's talk a little bit more about what's, what's on the daily menu. So a great way to start your day is with oatmeal. You know, if you're a coffee drinker, try adding a pinch of cardamom to your coffee, and that's going to take out some of the, the acid that can build up from just regularly drinking coffee. Ideally, you don't snack in between meals in Ayurveda, especially in the winter months. That's to keep kapha from getting stuck and stagnant. Lunch is ideally your biggest meal around noon. And then if you're a meat eater, eating your meat during that noon meal versus your evening meal is recommended. And then finally for dinner, ideally you're done by six. Enjoying soups, lightly cooked vegetables is ideal to keep that agni high. So those are some um, kind of the ideals there. Now, what about modifications? So how can we modify all of this if we need modifications? Daily routines, they really can be challenging for an imbalanced vata dosha. 
So sticking to something on a regular basis for the vata can be hard. So if you're struggling with sticking to routine, making minor adjustments. So if you hate going for a walk when it's dark and cold outside, shift your nature time to right after lunch when the sun is going to be the warmest. Um, If you live in a state where it's colder, make the investment in warmer winter clothes. It's going to go a long way. A nice pair of boots, a good winter jacket, good mittens, all of that snow pants. Like I personally, when it's really cold out, I'll put on snow pants. So, and if you feel, if your routine is making you feel really rigid and like you're going through the motions, you're just checking things off your to-do list, that might be a little bit of a pitta imbalance. So if you're falling in that camp, make space for free time, for choice, um, and just kind of noticing what would make you feel nourished. This is why I like that 2 p.m. check-in for everyone, especially for pittas. If you need just a little bit of time to just say, let me check in really quick. What do I need? And don't have a set, I need to go outside every day. Have have it be free, have it be open so you can really decide what works best for you that day. Now, if waking up early is causing you to have issues, so make sure that you're going to bed around 10 p.m. So let's say you're like, I'm struggling to get up at that 6 a.m. mark because it's cold, it's dark. Waking up early, it's gonna be challenging. So make sure you set yourself up for success by going to bed around 10, if possible. Setting out your clothes the night before. Um, Making sure if you have a yoga practice or whatever you're doing in the morning, you set things up. So like I personally have my yoga mat unrolled. I have my meditation cushion ready to go. So have all of that stuff prepped so you know when you get down there, you're ready to rock. And then finally, if you have any food allergies or just um, you know, can't stand like the idea of kitchery or you hate soup. What can you do? What's another substitute that you can do? You know, maybe instead you do like a, a bowl. So you could have, um, this is something that I just made for my lunch this last week, but it would work great for dinner. Maybe you make a rice bowl or a grain bowl of some sort. And then you put in some sweet potatoes and you put in, like I put in some cabbage, I put in beets, um, carrots, and I sauteed them all up. I made a little peanut sauce and then I um, added avocado to the top. And it could be something like that instead of soup. So that way it's still cooked, it's warm, it's veggies, easier to digest. Cinnamon is also a great warming spice. So if that's something though, I've had someone who said they couldn't stand cinnamon, cardamom can be a good substitute. So it really is about, you know, what practices work best for you. It's not going to be so rigid. That's our main goal. So the other practices that you might want to kind of um, dive into, one that I really enjoy doing at this time or at all times with the Kapha Dosha rising is a shot Kriya of Kabbalah Bhati. So sometimes that's called a breath work or a pranayama, but it's actually a shot Kriya because it's a cleansing practice. So Kabbalah Bhati is where we are going to breathe in and out forcefully through our nose. As we breathe in through the nose, our belly is opening up and expanding. As we breathe out through the nose quickly, the belly is going in and up. And you do that about 30 times. So it's like, and you can do that for up to five rounds. I usually do it for a round if I'm feeling good. If I feel like I'm getting some congestion, and build up in the chest, I might do it for a couple, you know, two to three rounds. Other ideas of practices you might want to incorporate, if you haven't already, um, scraping your tongue, doing that every morning, 
exploring the five senses, something to kind of work on if you're feeling overwhelmed, overstimulated, um, doing a pratyahara practice of withdrawal of the five senses. Maybe you do a meditation. Maybe you do, um, you know, you just kind of get off screens. If that, that's what I found for most people, it's, it's usually the screens and that can be overstimulating, not only to the eyes, but to all five of our senses, not necessarily the smell or taste per se, but if you're looking at food, you might start salivating. Um, you might start to get into that taste and you might be, you know, want to go get a snack, even though you're not hungry because you're looking at food. But all of those things, you just get overstimulated and the nervous system starts to break down. And I will say that also is going to affect sleep. <laughs> so as at the end of the day, if you're like, man, I'm, I feel, I'm tired, but wired, look back, reflect back on your day. Did I have a lot more screen time than I wanted? So some key takeaways, if we want to kind of wrap it all up in a, in a nice little bow, the late winter season is associated with that kapha dosha. The gunas at this time are your dry, heavy, cold, sticky, slow, oily, liquid, soft, static, and gross. The rituals and remedies to focus on are reducing the accumulation of kapha. So again, anything that gets us up and moving. So that Kabbalah Bhati movement practice, you know, having a yoga asana practice, and then um, having a strength training or walking outside practice. And again, that yoga asana, if you're going to have a practice focusing on backbends, laterals, and inversions. So that is some of the practices that you want to do to prepare for this late winter season. And then they're just going to slightly adjusted as we come into the spring season. So I'll, I'll do another podcast about spring and kapha because there's slightly different um, practices that we want to do because what's going on outside in spring, it's usually warmer. We also got some mud accumulation. We usually have some of the spring colds, more mucus. Um, so we are also working on reducing kapha, but um, you know, in a slightly different fashion than we are in the late winter season. All right. So that's what I have for you this week. Let me know if you have any questions and I will be back again next week with a guest episode. All right, everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.